0: How's everybody this morning? Great to see you. Great to see you. I am. Uh, I'm over here because there's something that I do want to show you, because I've been thinking about something all week. I've been thinking about fudge and uh, fudge is a great thing. And um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, hot fudge sundaes. I know, can we just see? I mean, this is just everyone, but any big fans of. Uh, yeah, seriously, I love hot fudge. I'm not such a big fan of of the nuts on the hot fudge Sunday, But anyway, we, we can agree to disagree uh, with that. But uh, anyway, I wanted to share something with you about a uh, hot fudge Sunday. I wish the guys here would have taken off the wrapper uh, because now this is going to take like an act of Congress to get this thing off. Um, here we go. So here's the thing that here's the deal with with uh, the key to making a hot fudge Sunday And I promise this is going to tie into the Bible at some point. Uh, you know, it, we'll do something. Uh, but here's the thing that's that's important is that the key to a good uh, hot fudge Sunday is a base layer of fudge. Uh, because what happens is when you have a base layer of fudge is that it just, like, creates this foundation, right? The Bible says we need a foundation. See, I'm already tying it into the Bible. You're like, whoa, what is that all about? Anyway, so, uh, so then what I do is I like to get some ice cream going. So you put a couple scoops of ice cream, and then I like to put another middle layer of fudge, because one of the important things about hot fudge sundae is that there's fudge in every single bite, so that uh, because it's just... Really, a hot fudge Sunday is more of just a vehicle for more fudge in your life. Well, anyway, so we do that. But while I'm doing this, let me tell you something interesting that you may have never heard. Uh, About 300 years ago, there was this guy whose name was Captain Fudge. I'm not even joking. His name was Captain Fudge. No relation to Captain Crunch, unfortunately. Um, But Captain Fudge was this huge liar. And so he was this huge liar. And what happens is, is that... Every time his crew, they would stop somewhere and he would hear someone talk. They would hear someone telling something that they knew for sure wasn't true. Uh, they would just yell, Fudge! And, uh, the, and the, the amazing thing about this deal with Captain Fudge is that it actually started to catch on. And that's the thing that I thought was, was so interesting is that now, years, you know, 300 years later, uh, you, know, you, get, you get a guy... Who, uh, is cheating on his taxes, Uh, you know, he doesn't declare everything, and we say, well, you know, he kind of fudged a little. And then you get somebody else, a student who, uh, cheats on the test, and we start, you know, we say, well, you know, he just kind of fudged a little bit. And then you get maybe a a businessman who isn't quite, uh, dealing the way that, that he should be dealing, and we say, uh, oh, you know, he just, he kind of fudged slightly. And, um, you know, that's just, it's amazing how the, how the fudge, uh got kind of got underway all of these all of these years ago and the, this the question is this because if you notice this on the hot fudge sunday is that the fudge always covers up all the cracks right there's all these little like layers crack and it just tends to kind of cover all of this up and uh and the thing that's really that's really interesting is and this is the question with all everybody fudging everybody's lying and and that's just one of the things that you know, you watch the news and you hear about uh, people that said they were telling the truth, but they weren't really telling the truth and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you find out, well, they were just kind of fudging about, about the whole thing. And then the question comes up, is that really the best possible way to live? You see, I, I think that at the moment it seems like the best possible way to live. By the way, does anybody want this hot fudge Sunday? Uh, I'd be happy to give it to you. You've got to come on up. Whoever comes up first gets it. Um, so here you go. Enjoy. You're in church, so they're all calorie free. There you go. Enjoy. So here's the thing that, that I find that I find so amazing is that we, we wonder, right, is that the, is fudging things the best possible way to live? And now let's be honest in the moment. It seems like the easiest possible way to live, because when we fudge things, we don't have to really deal with the cracks, the you know, inconsistencies, the problems, the difficulties. It's just like that hot fudge sundae. We can just cover it with fudge, cover it over. It's going to taste a little better at the moment and we don't have to deal with it. You see, when when a guy gets asked a question by his wife, does this make me look fat? You've got to ask yourself, like, what is the right answer? By the way, that's not a truth answer. That's an IQ question. Uh, You know, like that. that, So you just there is there is a right answer. Uh, when, when a husband asks his wife at some point, is that guy more, hu- uh, more handsome than me? Um, and, 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 you know, and she says, no way. I mean, tall, thin, muscular, it's totally overrated. And uh, and, and so but but here's the thing. We get asked the questions. And I, I, what happens is this is that there's this moment where we just want to lie. We want to tell something truth. We want to fudge a little bit because we have this thought. And the thought is, is that if I just don't tell the truth, it's going to actually be easier. It's actually going to be better for them. And we'll actually maybe even think about it and say, you know, it's just it is, I think, better for them. Because lying um, creates this. It feels like it creates freedom because now we don't have to deal with it. But what if the opposite were true? What if lying actually enslaves us? And it's really truth. That sets us free. And some of you know the passage and it's in your notes. And I hope you have your notes, the pen, the whole thing, because there's going to be a bunch of stuff we want you to write down. But what if what Jesus said is really true? That Jesus said this to the Jews who had believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, here's the problem. We believe that we're in church. I mean, we've got to believe that because we're we're sitting here in church. Jesus said it. But there are circumstances in life that cause us to want to fudge because we believe that things will be better if we didn't tell the truth. And this is the part where, where some would say, like, oh, come on, pastor, let's let's be realistic. There are times when lying really is the best option. I mean, we're not talking about lying under oath or you know, lying to a congressional committee. I mean, we're talking about just being, you know, lying just to be nice to people. Right. So let's talk about that uh, in your notes. We there, there's like three types of lies that we think are OK. Let me give you the first one. The flattering lies. Right. You hear somebody sing at a birthday party and then they come up to you and they say, hey, what did you think? And, and you say, well, I thought you were awesome. And you say you might think it was horrible. And you say, like, I've never heard anything like that in my life. You, you should try out for American Idol. I mean, you're, you, you know, and, and so we kind of go to, to, to do that. And, and here's what we're doing. We're lying to them to be nice. But listen, but here's what happens. What happens if we really if it really isn't that nice? Because now they start making life decisions based on not the truth that they've been told, but a lie in which they've been someone has said to them to save their feelings. How about the exaggerated lies? Uh, That's number two. There are exaggerated lies. Exaggerated lies are lies that we tend to tell about ourselves, that we tend to say to make ourselves a little more important. These are the lies that we tell on resumes uh, that say that, you know, I used to work for Apple computers and I, you know, I gave Steve Jobs strategic information, you know, when really it comes down to um, you maybe did work for Apple. But one time you were in the mailroom and you handed him a fax. That had some information. And you say, well, that's the, the strategic information that I handed him. And uh, so, but we, we tell these lies that kind of make us look better. And then there's, there's a third one. Um, and by the way, this one hurts us. The flattering lies hurt us because it shows that we're not really comfortable with who we are. And the third one is this. There's the benevolent lies. This is the lie that, that, that you know, we tell our friends. Maybe you have a friend um, and, and, and they're interested in someone that you work with. And, uh, and, and they call you and they say, well, did he ask about me? And he didn't ask about her. But you're like, well, but he asked about me. I really hope he asked about me. because. But did he ask about me? And I don't want you to ask him that he asked about me. But did he ask about me? Because I'd really love it if he asked about me. So did he ask about me? And you think, like, he didn't. But he said, like, hello. Maybe that was hello to, like, the whole universe. And he said, well, he told me to say hi. Oh, he did. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, I can't. Oh, you know. And now what What happens? What happens is we think these lies are harmless, but it's hurting us and them. It hurts the, the flattery, you know, the, the, the lies that we think are harmless. Listen, the, the flattering person, who li- the person who lies with flattery is hurting the other person because they start making decisions based on the, a lie, not based on truth. The person who exaggerates uh, about themselves, the, the exaggerated liar is hurting himself because he's not happy with, with what's happening in his life. And instead of actually making real changes and making decisions, he starts telling Uh, lies. And what happens is is that that begins that that blocks him from making the changes that he really needs to make. The benevolent liar thinks that he's helping their friend by saying that the guy was going to had asked about her. But here's the truth. What that person is doing is not allowing that girl to move on. And so the lie is causing her to hold on to something that's not even there. And let me tell you something. The lies also hurt us as well. Even when we're not, maybe it's not the exaggerated ones, maybe it's the flattering ones or the benevolent ones or or others that that we tell. Because here's what happens is that even when we tell lies to other people, people that we care about, people that we know, just to be polite, here's what it does. It devalues our own influence. Because if people don't believe that you and I are going to tell them the truth, they will stop asking for our opinion. They'll stop asking for our, our wisdom or our thoughts or our feelings on a certain issue because they'll believe that it has no real value. Because they'll say, well, they're just going to say something to make me feel good, but they're not really going to tell me the truth. The Bible says this, and that's the purpose of the Ninth Commandment. The purpose of the Ninth Commandment is that God wants to set us free. And he says this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. And that is, why would God put lying in the top ten? And I don't know about you, but, you know, there's a lot of commands in the just in the Old Testament. There's six hundred and thirteen commands. Ten of them are uh, in the the Ten Commandments. So we've got six hundred and three other commands that, that, you know, were maybe runners, you know, that that were potential candidates to be in the top ten. And here's the thing that I find amazing. How did lying get into the top ten? I mean, shouldn't there be some other command? I mean, I think we say, well, if lying's not really that big of a deal, I mean, couldn't shouldn't there be something else? That should have made it into the top ten. Rather than that, something that maybe was a little bit more worthy, right? Maybe not. You see, maybe that truth is at the heart of what it what it means to be free. Remember, God is taking a people. If you if you remember, let me give you the, the context again. And we talked about this over the last several weeks. But um, remember, God is taking a people, Israel, who were slaves in Egypt, and through a, an amazing series of miraculous signs and wonders. God took them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and they stopped at Mount Sinai to get these commands because God is creating a new nation, a new nation that's going to be different than any other nation on the planet. And here's the thing that he's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach these people who were slaves how to be free. And the thing that he says when he gets to the ninth commandment is that freedom is found in truth. It's found in truth. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that really, I believe, expands on this thought. And in fact, this passage of Scripture is more of a song than anything. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that most songs aren't written about truth. And it's because people, when you write songs, you write things about how you want them to be, not so much about how things are. And so, um, you know, that's why you don't find truth as a song uh, that's so much you know, that's a subject on the radio. But here's what I did, because I was just fascinated by this this idea. I went on iTunes and I just typed the word truth to see how many song titles I could that I could find. And um, tons and tons of, of song titles came up. I looked through the first 600 just because I like to be thorough. Um, and so I looked through the first 600 song titles and here's some of them. Listen, there's the ugly truth, anything but the truth, the naked truth, the uncomfortable truth. The truth hurts. And this is the one that concerned me the most. Honky tonk truth. I don't really know what honky tonk truth is, but I know I don't want it. And um, but so here's here's the thing. Uh, so what we're going to look at. But this is a song that we're going to look at. It was a song that was written by King David. And what the song does is that it celebrates truth. It's a song that elevates truth as a characteristic that's a characteristic that's needed to know, experience, enjoy and really experience God's presence in and through your life. You see, and we're going to look at in this the power of truth and the power that truth can have in our lives as we allow it to define us and shape us into who we are and who ultimately God wants us to become. So I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 15, as we're going to look at this really short psalm. It's only five verses. But what we're going to see in this psalm is we're going to see these three characteristics about truth and what truth does in our lives and how it is absolutely indispensable for you and absolutely indispensable for me. So we're going to start in Psalm 15, verse 1. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention... If you would, here's the first thing that I want you to note uh, in the notes that we gave you, and that is that truth connects us to God. It connects us to God. That's why he says who can abide in your tabernacle, who can dwell in your holy hill. Uh, It's the one, the one who walks uprightly, who speaks truth uh, in in his heart. Uh, There's a guy I went to high school with whose name was Lloyd. uh, And Lloyd was a guy that was always lying, always lying. And um, he was always making up stories about places that he had been, people that he had met. Uh, one time he went around the whole school telling everyone that he had just met Gene Simmons from Kiss uh, and, and the, that because he was uh, he was a, a bagger at Publix and um, Gene Simmons just happened to walk into a Publix in Coral Springs, Florida and um, bought all he bought was a bag of Oreo cookies and uh, now the bag of Oreos, i actually believe. Um, but and then um, now. And so he said, I met, Gene, I met Gene Simmons from Kiss and I sold him a bag of Oreos. You know, I mean, that's, that's just the, that's the thing. Now, the, it, the story might seem plausible enough, except the problem is that Lloyd was always telling stories. He was telling the stories about how the gates of hell were behind the mall, But, you know, that's just all right. And he knew the guy that was going to open the gates of hell and swallow up the whole city. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if the guy was well. Well, anyway, the guy had told so many lies that uh, one, this, this kid, that another kid that I knew in school actually published a magazine. That was, getting, that was all throughout the school, and it was called the Lloyd Chronicles. And the Lloyd Chronicles, this is a true story, the, the Lloyd Chronicles were every lie that Lloyd had ever told in comic book form. And so it was him and then all these other people. It was actually pretty amazing. Um, and then, uh, and so and that was the thing. And here's the problem, is that every time that Lloyd then wanted to tell something, because then everybody knew that he was lying, not just the people who knew him, but then everybody knew because he became somewhat infamous in the school through this, you know, best-selling magazine that came out, um, uh, the Lloyd Chronicles, and, and so. But what happened after that is that every time Lloyd said something, and it, it was true, you know, and he said, I swear that's true." And people are like, "Oh yeah, I swear on so and so's grave that it's true." You know, and they they kind of like escalate the whole thing. That it's true, it's true, it's true. Now, here here's the weird part. The weird part is that. Um, you know, it wasn't Gene Simmons from Kiss that he met at, uh, at at Publix that bought a bag of Oreos. It was actually Dee Snyder, the singer of Twisted Sister. And um, now you might say, "What's the like?" That seems like a pretty random occurrence to meet, like right uh, the guy who sang, "We're not going to take it." I know many of you have that on your iPod right now. Um, that's a joke, by the way. You anyway, know, you'll get it later. Um, so <coughs> I think I need to make a few more Sundays. Uh, but. But anyway, so what happens is this, is that you say, well, what's? how do you know that, that it was was D. Snyder and and not Gene Simmons? Because I'm married to the girl, the cashier that sold D. Snyder the Oreo cookies. You see, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister lived in Coral Springs, and we always saw D. Snyder around town. And he had this pink Jeep. He had this giant, you know, blonde hair, and the top was always down. So every time I was, you know be 15 years old. I'm riding my bike somewhere. And there goes, you know, D. Snyder riding down the street in his pink Jeep. Um, I didn't even know they made Jeeps in pink. Just that's another problem in and of itself. But the, the, so this whole thing go, goes around and, and, and listen. And you say, well, well, why didn't he just say that? Why? Because that wasn't a big deal to say, well, I, you know, I, I saw this guy buying Oreos, but to say somebody else. And the whole reason was and the whole point was he would tell these things to try to connect himself to to other people. Say, well, if I can tell you this and you believe it and then I can impress you, then somehow we can be connected and have some kind of friendship. And you know what the interesting thing was, is that Lloyd was a guy that always had trouble making friends um, because that's what lying does. It damages the current friendships that you have and future friendships that you might have. And here's the true thing as well. And this is where we connect it back to Psalm 15, is that the same thing is true with God. The Bible teaches us that when we embrace truth, it actually draws us closer to God that lies lead us away from him. And, and, and that's that's just the, the, the way that it works. In fact, in, in Romans chapter one, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. Amen. And the idea is this, is that when we embrace truth, it draws us closer to God. When we embrace a lie, it leads us away from the true and living God. Now, you got to understand, and this is the thing that's important, is that this psalm is not written to people that, who, don't, who don't know God. And so it's like, well, you've got to kind of work and do all these right things to necessarily come to know God. Uh, Jesus is the one that does that. Jesus is the one that saves us, not by works that we've done, but instead it's by his grace through faith that we're saved. But here's the thing that's important for us to know. This psalm was written to those and for those who already know God. But how? what is the best possible way to live? And the way that he says, if you want to draw closer to God, listen, we must be people who speak and embrace truth. That's why the this first characteristic that he notes is one that is that truth is something that connects us, connects us to God. That's why, if you notice the um, there's two words that I want to draw your attention to in verse one, he says, Lord, who may abide that first word abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? Now, these are two important terms. You see, the term "abide" in Hebrew uh, refers to a stranger who is staying at a particular pl- at someone's home. So, "abide" is I'm staying at a guest. I'm abiding in a, in, in in someone else's home. Now, um, now here's the thing: in that culture, when you abided as a guest in someone's home, you came under their care, their provision, and their protection. And so the thing that David is saying is, he's saying, God, I want to experience that. How can I abide in your tabernacle? How can I come under your care, your provision and your protection in, in my life? All of us desire that. The other thing that he says is, I want to dwell in your holy hill. Now, what does that mean? The term dwell uh, is uh, the Hebrew word uh, shakan, uh, which is where we get the term shaka Khan. Let's um, see. All right. You're waking up. Um. But it's actually where we get our, it's actually where we get our, uh, the, the Hebrew word uh, Shekinah, which is a word that refers to uh, the glory of God. And, and the issue is this, that dwelling somewhere, that is the dwelling would be the place that you live, that you reside in, the place that you call home. You see, dwell is all about experiencing God's presence in our lives. And that's the place that he says, listen, I want to abide because I want to come under your care, your provision and your protection. But I also want to dwell close to you, David says to the Lord. I want to dwell there. I want to be in a place where I'm experiencing you. Here's what Jesus would say. Jesus said this in in, uh, John 15. If you abide in me, and my words, abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Living in truth connects us to God because when we do, we're abiding in him. That's why truth is so important. That's why truth is so powerful. That's why truth is so necessary, because it's the only possible way to live free the way that God intended us. I want you to look at verse three of Psalm 15. Look at what it says. He says. Remember, the question is this, who can abide in your tabernacle, who can dwell in your holy hill? And he says in verse two, that's the person who speaks the truth in his heart. Look, what he says in verse three, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. Now, If you pause here and give me your attention, here's the second thing to note that truth does. Truth not only connects us to God. Number two, truth endears us to each other. Truth endears us to each other. You see, when we, if we desire to have a relationship with other people, listen, what draws us closer together is truth. When my wife and I first met um, and we were just getting to know each other, she gave me her telephone number and I was supposed to call her and I didn't. And uh, the, I, I and, and I saw her a few days later and I said to her, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm really sorry I didn't call you. I had a friend who was in the hospital and I had to go visit that person. And um, please note the pronouns. I had to visit that person. And, uh, and, 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 she, and my wife was very gracious and understood and accepted my apology, no problem. Uh, the, the problem really started when she found out that my friend in the hospital was the girl that I dated right before I met her. And, um, that's the part that didn't go over too well. And, uh, and here's the thing that was interesting, is that I wanted to, to further a relationship, but I didn't want to further a relationship with truth. And there's no relationship with anyone without truth. Because truth and trust are the foundation of relationships. And that's why David writes that, that truth is what makes us a neighbor and a friend. It's what makes us trustworthy. It's what makes us someone who can abide, who can draw closer to God. And here's the thing. I, I talk to so many singles and people who are dating uh, I, 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 all the time and over the years. Um, it's funny how when, when someone is dating, um, they, feel that they that just two people feel like they have to lie to each other to win each other over because they're under the impression that the truth just won't do. And, um, and what happens is this, is that many times they will, um, lie to each other to the point where, you know, the girl will break up with the guy, let's just say, and then they'll, you know, I'll talk to the guy and, and he'll say, you know, I've, I've, she broke up with me. I've told her that I'll change and uh, she won't take me back. So what do I do? You know, what do I say to her for her to take me back? And I said, well, and this, I say, this is what I say every time. So, if you're planning on having this conversation with me after, we can just have it now. And because uh, here's what I say: I say, well, why don't you do this instead of saying, "Take me back, and I'll change." Why don't you change, and then she'll take you back? And some, this is what happens sometimes. Sometimes people go, "That's exactly what I'm going to do," and they walk away and they do it and they live happily ever after. And then other people, they look at me and, and they're like, "That will never work. I need a line." You talk a lot. I need a line to tell her that will, like, trick her into taking me back. And then we'll kind of see how it goes. And, uh, and, and, and I'm telling you, just, I, I, see that I see both happen all the time. And here's the thing. David writes three things about these people who, who, who are walking with God. That those who are walking with God who tell the truth, they don't backbite or gossip. They don't do their neighbor wrong. They don't speak evil of their friends. And you and I hear that list, and we say these are the people. These are the characteristics and qualities of the people that we want to be close to. You see, a friend is someone who, will tell, who doesn't tell you just what you want to hear. They tell you what it is that you need to hear. And you know them well enough that you'll be able to actually receive it if they're going to tell you a truth that's maybe a little more difficult to hear. In your notes, it says this in Proverbs 27. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, this is an amazing statement. I believe, because I think that all of us would think, would you rather be punched or would you rather be kissed? Most of us would rather be kissed. But here's the thing is that what he's saying is that what a friend will do, a friend will care about you so much that that he'll he'll wound you. And you can trust that because what he's trying to do is actually help you. Now, here's the thing. And this is the challenge that we have. We have this opportunity that we can say, well, I can either go to someone who is going to tell me what I want to hear and just, you know, just give me the kiss and tell me what I want to hear and I'll feel a little better. Or I can go to someone who's going to tell me the truth and I'll actually be better for it in the long run. And uh, I'm I'm, um, I'm in the process of writing a new book. And uh, I wanted someone to take a look at some of the chapters that I had written. And um, I, I had this, there's a couple of people that I've that I've gone to for that. And there's one person that I've gone to that, like, they love everything that I write. And it's like, you know... They they read something new that I write and they're like this is the greatest material ever, you should have written parts of the Bible. I mean this is so good. I mean, well maybe they haven't said that, but they they've gone pretty far in how much in what they like that they really like my stuff. Then there's another person that I go to and um and and their thing is like you know do you have any grasp of grammar at all you know and uh, th- then they'll they'll t- they'll say like you know. You told me last time you failed all four years of English, right? You had to take all of them in summer school. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I can tell by your writing. And, um, and, so, and, and they'll, uh, they'll do that. And I'll tell you what happens. is I, don't, I, I print the stuff out, and I'm holding my chapters in my hand. And I think, like, who am I going to take it to? And I've got to tell you, I struggled. Because like, I'm thinking, like, maybe I could just take it to this person and be like, oh, it's so good. It's so inspired. it's th-, You know, and then oh, do I can take it to that guy. And he can just kind of beat me up a little bit. But you know what happens? When I take it to that guy and he beats me up a little bit, the book's always better. And, even th- and listen, even though I can, say, oh, I can just take it to them and they'll just tell me it's good or I can take it to them and it'll actually end up being good. And, and, and that's what, you know, real friends tell us what we need to hear. They speak the truth in such a way so that it still reflects the kind of love that they have for us. That's why in, in, in your notes in Ephesians chapter 4, it says instead we will speak the truth in love Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Listen, when people speak the truth in our lives and say it in a loving way, we grow. And that's the thing that's amazing is that lying never helps us grow. It never helps us become more like Christ. It never helps us become the people that God ultimately wants us to become. Why? Because only truth has the ability to do that. Look at verse five. Look at the the, the last two verses in this psalm. It says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who who does not put out his money at usury, does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Here's the third point. Truth brings us honor. It brings us honor. People who, who are tellers of truth and, and speak truth in a loving way are people in our lives that we honor. Now, we know this intellectually that we honor those who are honest um, and, and tell the truth, but it's hard. It's hard in practice because I, I think all of us would agree that lying comes very naturally. Um, next time, and, and it's a funny thing, next time someone calls you in the middle of the night, you know, and you, you, you pick up the phone and you're like, hello. And they say, I'm sorry, did I wake you? And why is it that we go, no, 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 I was 3 a.m., I'm always up at 3 a.m., what, what's that all about? You know, next time you get stopped by a police I hope it never happens, but next time you get stopped by a police officer, and the police officer inevitably asks the question, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? No idea, officer, I was sure that that school zone was 90, uh, so I don't have no idea, you know, and why? and it's like, I don't know why it is that we have this moment, like, He's got us on the gun. Like, I have no idea. Did I have a broken taillight? You know, like, what, what? what is that? Listen, it's our sin nature that comes out. Because, listen, we lie because we think it's going to be easier. Uh, my son started crawling a couple of weeks ago. And i got to tell you, my wife and I are thrilled about it, um, even though he's getting into everything now. But the person who's happiest about it is my daughter. Uh, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter who's so thrilled that her little brother is more active because now he has become her little plaything. And um, she treats him like one of her dolls. And so she like, you know, no, sit here. You know, she put him in timeout the other day, and I had to tell her that she doesn't have that privilege to do that. And um, so I told her, Mia, you don't put your brother in timeout. And she said, okay, papi. And then she turns and she goes, and Xander, don't do that again. You know, so it's like we're trying to tell her she's not the mommy. And anyway, but... um, but I see her sometimes and she's like trying to pick him up and all that. And, and that's one of the rules is that I tell her, I say, Mia, you are not allowed to pick up your brother because you're going to drop him and you're going to hurt him. And, uh, and so she says, OK. And um, so, but she I, I will tell you, she has a hard time obeying that rule uh, because she wants to, like, move him. And sometimes he doesn't move quite fast enough for her and like the little scenarios that she creates, you know. So she creates like these little obstacle courses for him, and so she jumps over it in one jump. And she says, okay, Xander, now, you know, anyway. So uh, this whole thing is going on. So I tell her, you cannot pick up your brother. And, um, so the other day, my wife has to step out for a few minutes, and, um, I'm watching the kids. And the way that we're set up, we have this little desk area in our, in our, uh, living room. So I'm, I have my back to the two kids, uh, while I'm, I'm working on my computer, and, uh, and I say to, to, to my daughter, and I say, Mia, don't pick up your brother. Yes, Bobby. OK, we're good. So I turn around and I do some work and then I hear my son going eh, ah uh, like making some weird noise. And I turn around and my son is on the couch. He was on the floor. And next thing you know, he's on the couch crawling around and my daughter is on the cr- on the couch and she's laughing and they're carrying on. And so I run and grab him and put him on the floor. And I say, Mia, how did he get on the couch? I don't know, Poppy. And I'd say, Mia, there's only three options as to how this could have happened. Let's run through them together. And this is and I say, I said, number one, you could have picked him up. Number two, he could have learned to fly. Number three, human teleportation. And I say, Mia, which of these three do you think it is? Let me run them through them again. You picked him up. He learned to fly or human levitation or teleportation. Which do you think it is? And she thinks for a minute, she goes, um, flying poppy. He learned to fly. And I, and I'm telling you, and I'm thinking like, why, why? I'm t- My daughter was willing to say her brother was turning into a bird before she was willing to tell the truth. And I'm thinking, and it's like, listen, we do this at three and we do this at 33. And here's why, because we don't understand why we lie. Um, you ever wonder where lying began? I watched a movie this this week that was recommended to me called The Invention of Lying. Uh, it was lame, by the way. Uh, it was really lame. Um, and uh, but I did I thought that the, the, the I did like the premise of the of the movie, and that is um, when did the first lie occur, and when, where did lying begin? I thought the, the idea was good, um, but the Bible tells us that it tells us that it began in a garden. When Adam decided, when he sinned against God and decided to live apart from God. And here's the thing that happened. He believed a lie and then he started living a lie. And this is the thing that this is the thing that's so important. What why what lie were they living when they took something forbidden and received it and ate it and made it part of them? What they were believing is that they could become like God. What they were believing is that they could live life without God and in some ways become a God unto themselves. That they didn't need anyone or they didn't need anything else. They needed themselves that they could do it. And, and let me tell you something that's, that's really important for, for, uh, for us is that this can happen in our lives, too. It's the reason why we lie. It happens at work when the boss tells us that we've got to lie as, as part of our job. And now we have a dilemma. Do I do what I'm told because I've got to provide for my family? Or do I trust God, which may lead to actually me getting fired in the time of transition and and, and all of that? You see, it happens at home. It happens at home because if there's trouble at home and and your relationship with your husband or wife isn't what it is, here's what can happen is that someone sees that things aren't right and they say, hey, are things okay?" And here's what we can say. Yeah, everything's great. Or we can speak truth and say things aren't okay, and I need help. You see, when we speak those words, we begin to admit that we aren't God. And that we need His help. You see, when we lie about ourselves and we're telling people that we're really more than we are and we're dropping names and we're saying that we've done this or done that and, and this, this whole thing, what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to become God. That we're this all-sufficient, all-connected person somehow. And you know, the reason that it happens... It happens because the first lie is a lie that many of us have believed. And it says that we can live somehow without God, without knowing him, without experiencing his forgiveness, without experiencing his grace. And, and listen, this is the thing that's that's that, that's that's so important is that we then try to become a God unto ourselves. That's the first lie, but it's the lie that keeps perpetuating and it's the lie that keeps people from life and it keeps people from freedom because, listen, truth is what sets people free when someone is in a bad situation at home and, 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 and a couple needs help. Listen, a lie does not set people free when we say things are OK. To perpetually lie in, in, in a job situation, like we mentioned, doesn't create freedom. If that's what the thing that God is using to move you to the next place that he wants you to be. And that's why we have to become people of truth, because. When we've come to God, this is the part that's so amazing. When we come to God, we have to actually confess a belief in a lie. That we said, God, we've believed a lie. That somehow we're all sufficient, that somehow we can save ourselves, that somehow we can do it on our own. And I'm coming to you now, God, because I'm realizing that that simply wasn't true. You see, when a person believes that he can handle everything and fix everything and be the center of everything, whether he realizes it or not, he's trying to be a God unto himself. And here's here's the truth is that when it comes to our you know, first parents, great, 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 great parents, when they sinned in the garden, when it comes to us right now as to why we lie, the reason that we do is because we're, we're cutting ourselves off from the person of God who wants to set us free. We try to be God because we believe that that's why people will want us. That's why we, we say things about ourselves that aren't that aren't true. And we kind of exaggerate about things that aren't true. So we flattering things about people when they're not really true is because we're trying somehow to have people want us, even if it's not really who we are. And here's all along, there's a God in heaven who says, I accept you as you are when you come to me. And you realize that, you've, that we believed something that isn't true. You see, instead we don't have to try to be God. We can instead reject that lie and walk into truth and walk to the One who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. Because He's the One who offers us life. Because He's the One who died for us. Because Jesus, the truth... Offered himself as a sacrifice in our place and rose again from the dead. And, he, and, and that's that's the deal is that if we really desire and want truth and to be people of truth, we have to come to God who is the truth and recognize and say, God, perhaps I've been believing and living a lie and creating something about myself that really isn't true. When really the truth is this. That all I really need is you. Let's pray together. And God, we want to thank you for your truth, for your love, for your working in our lives. And we pray and ask that you would do a work in us, that when we read that scripture, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell on your holy hill. God, may it be us because we've come to know you, because you've forgiven us. And we have received your truth in our lives. So, Lord, help us. Work truth in us. May we be people of truth, speakers of truth, livers of truth. In Jesus' name, amen.